and welcome to the Book Bug Book, a podcast about the odd book or two we've read. I'm your host, Scott, and I'm not alone. Toby's here too. This episode, we're talking about Stephen King's Cujo, and it's going to be a pretty spoiler-heavy episode. But if I scare with you, continue on, and I'll see you on the other side. Terriers, like a bit like a pit bull terrier, but not pit bull terrier. The other ones, um, I nearly had it then. That all the kids like, and the gang members, and all those sorts of people have. <laughs> we had one of those, but he had health and anger problems, so he didn't last too long. And he got he got adopted by another family, and then there was a dog before that as well. It was a lurcher, and then there was Dotty, who I loved, but is no longer in my life. You had loads of dogs. You had like five then in your time. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a big, big dog person. I've always wanted a Saint Bernard, though. I've, I've never known. I've never heard any of these stories apart from the one I was thinking of. The doctor of my life with dogs. <laughs> All of this is segueing beautifully into yes. this week's episode. Yes, and that being Cujo by Stephen King. Yes, indeed. So, uh, apparently, you're you're a Stephen King fan. I, uh... Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 so that there's, there's definitely a strong case for that. <laughs> I don't have Cujo in first edition though. Oh, um, that is that a valuable one. It's up there because it's one of his earlier ones. Oh, okay. So I just read this book. I've mm-hmm. never read it before. I've never really had much of an inkling to. Okay, um, that's interesting. Why is that? I don't know. It's strange. Most of my friends have heard of Cujo. Mm. None of them have seen or know what it's about, apart from the one with the dog which puts it in this strange world of everyone knowing it. Uh, yeah. almost, I would say almost like Frankenstein in a way. Like yeah. the novel Frankenstein. Like a lot of people yeah, know yeah, that's a good point. the gist of what it's about, but I, I don't know that many people who have actually read it or know the ins and outs. Mm-hmm. So you read it a long time ago, but you caught up. Yeah, recently yeah I, re- I read it. When did I read it? I read it probably about five or six years ago now, I guess. Oh, okay. So, so as, as an adult? Yeah, 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 definitely. Because it was, I came to it very late on. I think I got a copy. It was when I started collecting my first editions. I found it and I came across it. And it, was, it had the, the first edition cover and everything, although it wasn't a first edition. I think it was a second print. And then, yeah, and then you said that you were reading it and we were going to do this episode. So I, last night, I watched the 1980, 19, late 70s film, just to sort of recap. We could, we could definitely talk about the film after. I've, I've never seen it. I did watch the trailer. I was talking about it last night. Mm-hmm. It does look naff, but hold your thoughts. <laughs> we could talk about it after. Toby did an eye-bulging look there for, for our listeners who can't see. Yeah, I will quickly run us through the plot, I guess. Yes, no, I can I'd chip in my thoughts while we go along. Mm. So, as far as everyone knows, Cujo. Cujo himself <laughs> is... St. Bernard, approximately 200 pounds. Yes. But I would say this book is a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting into thoughts, but I'm supposed to be sticking to plot. So I'll <laughs> carry on. This is, our, this is our show and we will roll with it how we want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'd say Cujo is about two families and a, a small, very small outer cast from those. Uh, yeah. The main family is the Trentons. Mm-hmm. They are Vic and Donna, and they have a four-year-old son, Tad. But actually, I wanted to get onto the very beginning of this, the very first page. And this is the second time he's done this. I don't remember. I think it might have been Dolores Claiborne or The Dark Half. But this book opens up with a clanger, spoiler, for another one of his books, that being The Dead Zone. Oh, yes. Yes, you've mentioned this before, I think, briefly. Yeah. Do you remember what that was? Was that... I must have been the dark half. Yeah, possibly. This book opens with, I'm going to read the first line anyway. Not so long ago, a monster came to a small town of Castle Rock, Maine. He killed XXXX. His name was XXX, and he also killed blah, 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 blah. And then what happened to him was et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's like a big chunk of Dead Zone. Yes. And he just yeah. opens spilling out 
Yeah. Yeah. Half he kept the game out of the dead zone, obviously. So. Mm. But with the dead zone, that's a big part of the dead zone. Yeah. This not being a sequel particularly, and um, at this point were people reading purely because of King, like universe building, it seems a strange way to open it. Yeah, that is, yeah that's a very fair point. Like, as if, if that's the only reference to... It comes back a little bit. There are some police later on in this novel who will talk about the times that their memories of that case. They, I thought I'd seen the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, yes. But now I've seen some stuff here in Cujo land. So I think there's, there's, there, I feel like there could be two reasons why he did this. One is to sort of gently introduce that there's just a bit of magic in the air in this world. Because mm-hmm. although it doesn't explicitly say it in this opening, the Dead Zone has some sort of supernatural element stuff. So if we're putting it in the same world, we can say, okay, well, that type of, not magic system, but but if those events happened in this world, then if, if something spooky happens or premonitions happen, we kind of know to take them seriously. Yes, okay. I can't for the life of me remember anything premonition-y happening as such. Interesting. Because I've got some thoughts. Apart from maybe a little bit later on with regarding the dad. Mm. So yeah, that does make it interesting in the sense that why would he establish a world in which magic is possible or the shine is a thing if he's not going to reference back to it or utilise it in this story? Because this story, for me, from what I can remember, and after watching the film, was the most unsupernatural story of them all it's very up there of with having it's devoid of any supernatural elements pretty much right it's a straight man v nature story mm. but the other reason i would say was because afterwards we we open with the four-year-old son tad who's having a lot of nightmares yes and so the other explanation for having this opening explaining who this killer was and people he killed is to say like this happened some years ago, a small town, how, how do murders affect a small town in the future? Like how yes. that becomes fiction and like becomes a boogeyman to the kids. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of another reason I would say, I guess a, a bit of mix of those two. Yep, I'd agree yeah. with that, very valid. And, and we, can, we can sort of, I guess that plays into some of the themes we can talk about later about fear and fear of fear. Mm-hmm. So we open on Tad, four-year-old boy and he's just screaming in his sleep and his parents come in and there's monsters in the cupboard and so this whole opening is is this sort of ritual the parents have opening the cupboard emptying it showing it to him his dad has like a mantra mm-hmm. uh, reads to the kids that whole night it's sort of about this um, yeah this opening i would say chapter this book has no chapters it just keeps going there's like a just a line where we where we know we're I guess it's a chapter end, but it's just no no clear chapters. Yes, no, no complete. It's just one like one story, really, isn't it? Just kind of straight through. You know, the parents talk about what it is to be a parent and how you should deal with your kid's fear. Mm-hmm. Um, like, are they money cuddling him by giving him the mantra and by by telling them, you know, by not just sort of being a bit stricter, I suppose. I think I think this. What I liked about this opening was it was it was a very good setup. The father says there are no such thing as monsters in the real world mm. yet. <laughs> right, right, right. And that that's repeated quite often in the uh, early setup. I think there, there are no such thing as monsters. And what did we say last night? Mm, yeah, there are no monsters in the real world in the daytime, says the kid. I think, I think it's rather nice as well because I went through a very similar thing as myself as a kid. My dad used to come into my bedroom and well, I used to go into his bedroom, say that I couldn't sleep and I was having nightmares or, you know, could, was seeing things in the bedroom. He would come in and sit in my bedroom and talk to me and take me through his, his mantras, not, not as, you know, the, the, to, to the extent of what Tad's got in his story, but you know my dad did similar sort of things he'd pretend that superman who was on my curtains would fly around the room protecting me and all of those sorts of things anything he could do to um to coax 